Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Justin Boone. Appreciate you joining me today. We've got some potential difference makers available on the waiver wire this week, so we're going to sort through that. Before we do though, I want to start by going over these injuries from week four because in a lot of cases, it's injuries that are actually going to unlock these waiver wire ads that we're going to talk about. So let's start with David Montgomery. Always scary when a player limps off the field and needs help from trainers to do that. And then the team confirmed that it was a knee injury. So most people are calling it a hyperextension. The initial reports, though, are saying that this isn't going to be a season ender. And that's not guaranteed. We might get more news on Monday that it's actually worse than they thought. But they kind of ruled out an ACL in the early uh, early test that they did. So we'll get the MRI on Monday. We'll know more then. Might be a week-to-week situation. Fingers crossed here that this isn't the last we've seen in Montgomery this year because he was playing really well. I mean, the Bears offense finally showing some signs of life in that easier matchup against the Lions. But... Really, the focus here now is going to be on Damian Williams, and he's the veteran. You remember him from the Chiefs days. He stepped up when he was with the Chiefs. He stepped up in this game as well, had a decent outing. Now, health is going to be a thing for him as well because late in the game, he left with a quad injury. Doesn't seem to be serious. He's getting more tests done today. The team kind of made it seem like it was a minor thing and that they expected he'll be able to play in week five, but it does make the rookie Khalil Herbert somebody that now you're going to have to consider stashing him here because we don't know that Williams is going to be good to go. And Williams is a guy, I mean, we talked about him all offseason really as one of those high-end backups that you should be stashing, that you should use a bench spot on. Can really do it all. I mean, maybe not to the level that Montgomery can, that you know Montgomery brings to the table, but Williams he might find himself in the role that Montgomery had last season where Montgomery didn't have a lot of competition for touches. And as much as I'm mentioning Herbert, we don't know that they're going to trust the rookie out there. And we saw Williams this week, even when he came in in relief duty, you look at his numbers for the game, eight carries, 55 yards and a touchdown had another 15 yards on two receptions. So we hate to see another running back get hurt here. We've seen a bunch of the top guys go down already, but Williams is a pretty intriguing ad and a guy that you're going to want to spend up to get, assuming that the reports about his injury status are good here. Just don't forget about Herbert. We'll talk more about both those guys when we get to the waiver wire section later, though. Dalvin Cook, so he re-aggravated the ankle injury. He did come back into the game, though, and he sat out a big chunk, but he eventually returned. So that's a good sign, whether it's a sign that he's okay or that the Vikings were just kind of foolish and put him back out there out of desperation. We'll see. I mean, we know with this ankle stuff, it can be a lot worse a day or two later. So Cook could be fine for week five. I wouldn't be surprised if he's missing a bunch of practices this week and we're doing that same dance with him again, right? Where we're not quite sure if he's going to be out there or not. It doesn't make a huge difference fantasy-wise here because if he's playing, you're putting him in your lineup, obviously. There's not really any question there. And now that Madison, because he got the spot start there, he's going to be on most rosters as well. So it's not really something we need to jump on and act. But just know that Cook did get hurt in that game again. So something we're going to have to monitor this week. Same goes for Joe Mixon. And we talked about this one on Friday's live show, but we got an update today dealing with a low-grade ankle sprain after that Thursday nighter. And Zach Taylor initially kind of downplayed it after the game, called it minor. Now they're saying week-to-week, which normally means he's going to miss at least one game here. So Samaje Pirine and, to a lesser extent, the rookie Chris Evans, they're going to be in the mix there, and they're going to need to be rostered. Bengals are playing the Packers this week, so they've you know been decent against the run this year so far, but we might get a spot start here 
out of Pirine. Antonio Gibson, a rib injury, he left late in the fourth quarter. I don't see a ton of people talking about this one, so maybe it's nothing too concerning. I didn't see an update today either on that yet, but uh, just another ding to Gibson, right? He's been playing through some injuries already, and yeah, I mean, J.D. McKissick gets a ton of snaps still, but just keep another rookie here to keep in mind, Jarrett Patterson, because he could be a guy that would be a deep stash if all these little injuries keep mounting and Gibson does miss any time at any point. Patterson is somebody that would get a lot more touches. McKissick's role would obviously increase a little bit, but Patterson would get in there. He's a little bit bigger body guy, short, but he could take a little more pounding maybe than McKissick could out there. Uh, Chris Carson. So does he have a hamstring injury? Does he not? The Seahawks seem to be going pretty easy on him this week. And you might be thinking, well, he wasn't on the injury report this week at all. And you're totally right. He wasn't. But remember, in week three, he left in the second half sat out a bit, undisclosed injury, weren't really sure what the situation was there. I believe the broadcast had mentioned it was a possible hamstring issue, and then it just kind of went away. And I keep mentioning Alex Collins because he is the next man up there. Rashad Penny back on IR now. Who knows if he's ever going to get healthier, be able to make a a real impact in the league. It it seems unlikely. It's really unfortunate for a guy that was a first-round pick a few years back. But Collins has looked really spry. And this week, he almost played the same number of snaps as Carson. 25 for Carson, 22 snaps for Collins. 14 touches for Carson, 12 touches for Collins. And here's the big one. 31 yards from scrimmage for Carson, 78 yards from scrimmage, and a really nice 14-yard touchdown for Collins. So we'll see if there's an injury update on this one early in the week. And you know, if we find out that you know Carson is going to miss some time here, Collins is going to get a much bigger role and is a guy that has that RB2 upside. And I think either way, he needs to be rostered at this point because maybe he could sneak in as a, a flex if he continues to get this kind of work here. And he's just been a guy that, like I said, I keep mentioning him in the Monday column because if something happened to Chris Carson, who we know does miss a game or two every season, maybe a couple more, but he's a guy that if he misses time, we have to know who else is going to step up in that offense. And it's looked like it was going to be Collins and we finally got to see a little more of that on Sunday. A couple notable injuries to veteran quarterbacks here. Jimmy Garoppolo, calf injury. I don't want to be conspiratorial on this one. I mean, who doesn't love a good conspiracy theory? I know, but we got to face it, right? Like 99.9% of conspiracy theories are just like fun fiction, right? They're rarely true, but Jimmy G, he was struggling in this game and it's possible that Kyle Shanahan kind of helped him save face and called this a calf injury and instead of going about it and, and just outright benching him, right? I'm not saying that's 100% for sure, but it's just a possibility. It doesn't really matter either way. What does matter is Trey Lance got an extended run in the second half and it wasn't flawless, but completed 50% of his passes, 157 yards, two touchdowns through the air, added another 41 rushing yards on seven carries, scored over 20 fantasy points, basically in a half. That's the kind of upside this guy has. And then after the game, we had Garoppolo say that he hopes that this is only going to be a couple-week injury, which means we're going to see Trey Lance start against the Cardinals in Week 5. And then it's the 49ers bye week, and then we'll have to see where we're at. But this could be the changing of the guard. This could be the thing that we were waiting for, where we just need Lance now to perform well in Week 5 and not completely fall on his face. And Shanahan said after the game that this week's game plan wasn't built for Lance. So this week, they're going to have time to prepare it, they do have something different. When you bring Lance out there, it's a whole different wrinkle, a whole different element to that offense. 
And now Lance is going to get the first team reps in practice to be able to prepare for that. And I haven't finished my early week five rankings yet, but Lance is going to be up there. I mean, there's a, just a ton of talent around him. You know, we got to hope that tackle Trent Williams is going to be okay. He left with a shoulder injury this week and we don't want to see, you know, the 49ers line disintegrate or something here going up against those strong pass rushers for the Cardinals. Cause you don't want to see that Justin Fields kind of first start where Fields just had the pass rushers teeing off on him in that game, right? But I think Shanahan's going to be much smarter about it than Nagy. He'll get Lance on the move. We're going to have a week to talk about this, though. We don't have to go over preparing for week five right now. But bottom line, go pick up Lance if he's still on your waiver wire. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater. So he's in concussion protocol. Not sure if he's going to be cleared for week five. Normally now, players tend to miss one week. Not always, but normally that's the case. And if he's out, Drew Locke's going to step into a pretty unfavorable matchup against the Steelers here. And I don't love it for, you know, the Broncos fantasy pieces having Drew Locke out there. Locke is like, he's like a spinning top. It can go great when it's in the groove. It looks great. It looks cool. But at any point, you know, it's going to wobble. You know, it's going to fall and smack down on the table or on the ground. Right? So we could just hope here that he can keep Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant and Tim Patrick. He can keep all those guys viable. I would guess the ceiling is going to be lowered, though, on pretty much everybody in that offense, especially in a matchup with the Steelers where you figure the pace is going to be even lower the way that they play. So the Broncos, you know, it's not looking great having Locke under there, but we'll see. Maybe he's learned by sitting back and watching Teddy. Maybe it'll be a little better right now. And the good news is that concussion-wise, hopefully it is just going to be a week, if that, for Bridgewater. Uh, the Broncos also lost a, a receiver and really another receiver. Like they keep getting hit in that area. Deontay Spencer, he suffered a neck injury and it's notable because he picked up some of the duties with Jerry Judy out with KJ Hamler out. He was getting a little more of a role. Now you're looking at uh, David Moore, Kendall Hinton, who Kendall Hinton, you remember from last year, he was the emergency quarterback that played that one game. Those are the guys that have the best shot to get in there and kind of pick up that slot role now. But we're looking at it, and this Broncos offense is going to be fairly concentrated on those other names that I mentioned. So I wouldn't be looking at any of those guys in any of your leagues right now. Some other injuries that we should probably mention here. Mari Cooper was kind of in and out with a hamstring issue, and he finished the game. Another guy that seems like he's constantly getting nicked up here. So you're going to have to search the, the weekly injury report just to see where he's at. Should be fine to play next week, but... Hopefully those injuries don't keep mounting and cause him to miss any time. Speaking of which, I mean, guys that are always nicked up, Will Fuller suffered a broken finger. He entered the game. He already had an elbow injury. He already had a chest injury. He had that week one suspension, so he missed a game there already. Things aren't going well for Fuller, and we might be back to the days of just fragile Will Fuller now. And with the other options they have in Miami, I think Fuller could outright be dropped. I don't think you need to hold him and hope that things get turned around here. I think with all the options that we have in the waiver wire, we'll talk about some more of the receivers coming up here. I don't think you need to hold a guy like Fuller. I don't think we're going to see him get up to the you know top 10, top 15 kind of numbers that we saw him putting up with Deshaun Watson uh, in Houston. Just a frustrating player to roster, and that's what I'm kind of saying. I think you could just move on at this point. Uh, Logan Thomas, he's week to week with a hamstring issue. Seen a, a ton of hamstring problems this year for different guys, so you kind of know the routine at this point, right? Likely going to be out for week five. If it's a bad one, we might be talking about multiple weeks here. I think it sets up Curtis Samuel pretty nicely because we saw Curtis Samuel come back this week. I know it's not the same position, but when we're talking about where the targets are going to go, 
Samu comes back this week, but he's on a snap count, so didn't really do too much in the game. But if Thomas is out, Samuel could be the main beneficiary there target-wise anyway. And if you're looking you know, specifically who should you target at tight end for Washington, Ricky Seals-Jones. You may remember that name. It's been around for a while. Hasn't done too much in the league, but Ricky Seals-Jones was the one who stepped up, got the most snaps after Thomas went down at tight end there. So wouldn't recommend him as a play. Might be a guy in really deep leagues and tight end premium leagues you might want to look at, but not somebody that you're going to pick up and slide into your lineup in most redraft leagues. Tony Jones Jr., the backup running back for the Saints, he's a player that we've been targeting, been recommending all year to grab just in case anything happened to Alvin Kamara. Well, something happened to Tony Jones Jr. He left with an ankle injury. Uh, Dwayne Washington, Ty Montgomery, they're the next ones up there. Washington, more of that you know, bigger body. He'll get more of the carries. Ty Montgomery, a guy who's a little better in the receiving game. Fantasy-wise, that's just really deep leagues that you're going to look at either of them. I would think if an injury happened, they'd either bring in someone else or we'd see a, a committee there. Lots of guys who missed this week, but we're going to be watching for updates just to gauge when they're going to be back. Christian McCaffrey, Rob Gronkowski, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Michael Gallup, Rashad Bateman, Elijah Mitchell. There's just a lot of guys out there. Just want to keep those names top of mind so you're looking for that those updates when they're coming out on Twitter this week. And we're going to update all of them throughout the week, don't worry. Especially on that Friday show, I go over all the relevant injuries heading into the weekend. So we'll touch on them there. The other thing to be mindful of here, just some offensive line injuries. I mentioned Trent Williams, but we also saw the Browns left tackle, Jedrick Wills, carted off with an ankle injury. Washington lost their all-pro guard, Brandon Sheriff, to a knee injury. Still waiting on updates for those, but they're the kind of offensive line talents. We don't mention everybody on here, but when it's guys like that that are that good, you got to keep an eye because that's going to actually affect the projections. You're going to have to adjust just a little bit if guys like that are going to miss some time. They're just that good. We want to make sure your team is that good as well. So let's go over the top waiver ads heading into week five here. And you can view my full list, 50 plus players, probably gets up near 70 or 80. I kind of stopped counting. I just put so many guys in there. You can check out that waiver wire column on the score. It goes up every Monday night around 8 or 9 p.m. Eastern. I try to cover as many players as I can there for different types of leagues, and I try to break it all down into different categories. But we're going to hit on the top names here. We'll start with quarterback Trey Lance, 31% rostered at the Cardinals, like I mentioned before. In the one league that I'm in, it was more than 20 points in basically just a half. Like I said, in the one league I'm in, it was 24 fantasy points that he had in that game. Now, I'm not saying we're going to expect 40 plus fantasy points every week from him, but it's just yet another sign of that kind of upside that he offers, right, for fantasy. And I know the matchup isn't great with the Cardinals. They entered the week giving up the eighth fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks. They really gave nightmares to Ryan Tannehill, to Trevor Lawrence, but Kirk Cousins did okay. Matt Stafford, they did fine against them. And the thing with Lance is because of that rushing ability, we've seen this with other quarterbacks, with Jalen Hurts, with other guys like that. They can really be matchup proof because of that rushing ability. And that's not to say there's going to be some speed bumps. There's going to be some struggles along the way. I'm not acting like Lance is just going to come out of the package here and be the number one overall fantasy quarterback, but he carries that kind of top five, top 10 upside with him. So with when you talk about the talent that's there, when you talk about the coaching staff that's there, that scheme could really set him up well. They're not going to let him die alone the way the Bears did with Justin Fields a couple weeks ago. We're not going to see that for Lance. I'm excited to see what he can do out there. If he can stash him this week, see how he does, and then go from there, that's probably best. 
If you're in a pinch, you need to put him in your lineup. I'm okay with that. And if he plays well, I don't think we're going to see Jimmy Garoppolo under center again this year. I think one half-decent game here from Lance is all we need to see. Then they'd have the bye week to really get him ready for the next one. And then he'd be good to go for the rest of the year. And like I've talked about before, just kind of elevates everybody, right? That offense can reach new heights with Lance in there. Whatever you think about the the target shares and the target volume, and because he's a rushing quarterback, that could change. Lance is just a much better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. It's going to be the same with Justin Fields. These guys are going to be able to unlock so much in those offenses when they finally get the chance and get rolling and and get into a rhythm there. Uh, We're seeing the Panthers offense kind of reach some new heights here with Sam Darnold. Darnold, 37% rostered. He's going up against the Eagles in week five. Entering Monday night, Sam Darnold is the QB5 on the season in fantasy. And a ridiculous amount of rushing touchdowns has obviously helped five scores on the ground. It's not sustainable, but... It appears to be an element of his game that's going to be there at times moving forward, and he's been pretty consistent so far. Of course, I keep saying with that caveat, the touchdowns on the ground have helped, but at least 20 fantasy points in every game so far, and that number is rising each week. He's got at least 300 passing yards in each of his last three games. DJ Moore's emerging as a true number one receiver now. He's going to get McCaffrey back at some point here. And really, hats off to the coaching staff. OC Joe Brady, I mean, they deserve so much credit for getting these performances out of Darno, And they really seem to maximize Teddy Bridgewater's abilities last year, too. So I believe this is going to be here to stay. I don't see the Eagles, who've given up eight passing touchdowns over the last two weeks, I don't see them really being a problem. So Darnold's a low-end QB1 at the moment. And his schedule over the next stretch, it's pretty good. Philly, Minnesota, the Giants, the Falcons. That's his next month here. So Darnold could presumably be a starter for you for the next little stretch. And, you know, if you didn't get one of those top guys, having somebody like Darnold to toss into your lineup, it's not that bad of a fallback at all at this point. Lots of streamers, too, this week. I mean, you can go and check out all those in the article, but I want to keep moving along here. Let's go to running back. Damian Williams, 8% rostered. Khalil Herbert, 0% rostered. Play in the Raiders in week five. Not sure there's much more to say here. I mean, Williams has top 15, top 20 upside with Montgomery out. It's just a matter of, you know, what the follow-up tests are going to show for Montgomery, for how long he's going to be out, and what those follow-up tests are going to show for Williams and whether he's going to be fully healthy going into week five. If it's not season-ending for Montgomery, but it keeps him out several weeks, I think you're looking at a 40 to 50% fab bid for Williams, depending how desperate you are at running back, depending what your record is. There's a lot of factors that go into that decision, but you're going to want to spend up to get him because he's going to give you that upside. And like I said, we saw it this week. Go look at his numbers from this week that I mentioned earlier. We saw that he's going to be able to produce in this offense. If you're trying to find somebody on the cheap, then you take a look at Herbert. And even if Williams can't go this week, Herbert's just going to be one injury away from seeing starter snaps now, right? He's the new Williams in that offense. We kept talking about Williams as the stash. Now Herbert becomes a stash, at least for the the duration that Montgomery's sidelined. Samaj P. Ryan, 2% rostered. Chris Evans, 1% rostered, going up against Green Bay. Very similar situation here with the Bengals backs. They just don't have as high of a ceiling. And that's because... I expect this to be a little more of a committee if Mixon's going to miss some time. P. Ryan will handle the bulk of the early down work. Evans working in on passing downs. I would treat P. Ryan more like a a flex who has RB2 upside, but he's going to have to find the end zone in order to get there. And then Evans is just a, a dart throw flex with a little more value in PPR leagues. 
Kenneth Gainwell, 29% rostered at Carolina. So we talked about Miles Sanders last week on the Wednesday show. Talked about him being one of those sell low options potentially. And some people pushed back on me. People thought, you know, coming off that bad Monday night game, they wanted to hold for better days, try to get a little more if they were going to sell him. But I warned that over the next stretch here, it might get worse because the Chiefs in week four and then the Panthers and the Bucks, two solid run defenses in week five and week six. That's what he was facing. And Sanders came out. Had a pretty disappointing game in week four. 10 touches, 47 yards, no touchdowns, nothing really exciting to write home about. Now we can blame some of that on the offensive line. There's a ton of injuries there. Lane Johnson, kind of a surprise scratch that he missed the game for personal reasons. So they were down four starting linemen. I get it. Totally understand that. But Sanders teammate, Kenny Gainwell, he was still producing. He actually outgained Sanders. Nine touches, 89 yards. And he actually found the end zone. And I'm not trying to sit here and predict that Gainwell is going to take over and steal the job from Sanders, but he's at least in a 60-40 timeshare where he's the one, even though he's only getting 40%, he's the one putting up bigger stats right now. And Gainwell, on the season even, he's got six more fantasy points than Sanders so far. And some of that's just touchdowns. Sanders hasn't found the end zone yet, but... I would not be letting Kenny Gainwell sit on waivers in any of my leagues. I would get him on your roster. He could be an RB3 flex for you. Maybe somebody that could get more. If Sanders continues to struggle, maybe they decide to give Gainwell a bigger piece of the pie there. I have to mention this next one in the column. I'm not really excited about it. Latavius Murray, 47% rostered. He gets Indy this week. He saw the most touches in the Ravens' backfield. Appears he's taken over as a starter. Tyson Williams was a healthy scratch, so they went with that older trio of Murray and Le'Veon Bell and Devonta Freeman, but Murray's really just going to remain a touchdown-dependent RB3. He's a fine filler. I think you should be aiming higher for a long-term option, so if you need to plug him in right now, that's okay. He's getting the work. Maybe he's going to continue to get those goal line opportunities, but I'd be looking higher. The last running back that I want to mention here, Alex Collins, that we talked about already, 1% rostered, playing the Rams this week, just that unexpected split with Carson. Maybe it's injury-related. Maybe they just like what they're getting from Collins. Either way, it's time to get Collins onto a roster, see where this goes. Do not let him sit out there any longer because he looks great, and he looks really shifty in tight spaces, has outstanding footwork, could do well. If he ends up getting starter snaps at any point, I'd be very interested in having him, and that's why I have him stashed on quite a few teams already. All right, at receiver, Tim Patrick is close enough to the cutoff line that I am only going to mention him as a one-liner in the column. I'm still going to have to bring him up, but I'm not going to give him his own section this time. I think he should be rostered in most leagues, but the percentage is high enough now that we don't have to dedicate a, a whole section to him anymore. So thank you so much for that. Some guys I think we should focus on. Darno Mooney, 38% rostered. I've said some pretty stern things about Matt Nagy. I just don't understand why he has to be so adamant about Andy Dalton. I don't know what he's told Andy Dalton, but he seems to just go out of his way. I mean, this week, even on Monday, he just has to reiterate again that when Dalton's healthy, he's going to be the starter. So there's a chance that they're going to come off this win against the Lions and they're going to go back to that average veteran quarterback instead of giving that promising young quarterback more reps. And either way, it was great to see a glimpse of the future here. You get to see Fields, find a Mooney all over the field, five catches, 125 yards, seven targets for Mooney in that game, had another 10 on the ground. And 
the Bears, I mean, they have a pretty friendly stretch here in terms of pass defenses, the Packers, the Bucks, and the 49ers. And on paper, just based on what we've known previous years, you might think that's scary, but those three have actually been on the easier side in terms of quarterback matchups this year. Nagy, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's going to go back to to Dalton. Maybe he's just going to steal any momentum they might have had after that win and completely deflate the offense. But either way, I'd be picking up Mooney because the the field's time is coming. As much as Nagy's trying to hold on here, the charade isn't going to continue all season. So that connection of fields and Mooney looks pretty interesting. And don't forget, he's just 24 years old. He's a fifth round pick in his second NFL season, put up a hundred yard game here. It's not a fluke. He is talented. I just hope that that Bears offense can do right by him and stick with the quarterback who's making all these pretty downfield throws to him. I really hope that they do. Come on, Bears, get it right. All right, we'll keep moving here. I don't want to go off on a tangent on Nagy. It's just going to get me angry. Uh, Devontae Parker, 38% rostered, going up against Tampa this week. Just with Fuller hurt at this point, it's going to condense the targets. It's going to make Parker way more interesting for fantasy. And he finally found the end zone this week. The stat lines, though, before this haven't been that bad. Four for 81, five for 42, four for 42, and then four for 77 and one this week. So he's in the wide receiver three conversation. There's lots of others that I'm going to name in the column here. Curtis Samuel coming back this week, and you know that snap count was kind of being capped, but he's definitely worth an add. Just a ton of upside there if he starts to get more targets. I mean, talent-wise alone, I think he could be a wide receiver two or wide receiver three. It's just a matter of getting the volume, and I like what we've seen from Heineke so far. Uh, AJ Green, not not loving him too much, but he's playing a full-time role, and the last three weeks. He's posted stat lines at three for 44 and one, five for 112 and 0, and five for 61 and one. So, kind of like Tim Patrick esque there. You know, he's on the dusty side, but he's not getting a lot of separation. He still warrants a spot in fantasy lineups, I think, at this point. He's playing a big role in one of the league's better offenses. So, regardless of whether we think he's on the, the downside of his career, the guy is producing. He's putting some numbers up out there. Uh, don't forget about Rashad Bateman. He didn't get activated this week, but the debut's coming soon. He could be a star, just 25% rostered at the moment. Josh Gordon, 32% rostered. I have my doubts, but stashing him just to see if he can become a regular contributor in the Chiefs offense, that's not going to hurt you too much. And Andy Reid said that there's a shot that he's going to play in week five. I think those are the big ones. I mean, I break down the rest in the column. I'll categorize them on you know what they could be for your team, depending what you need. But I think we can keep moving on here. We'll finish things off with tight end. Finally, a few more options emerging here. Dawson Knox right up there at the cut line. So maybe I don't need to give him his own section, but he should be rostered everywhere at this point. He's a top five fantasy tight end so far on the season, at least entering the Monday nighter. We'll see what Darren Waller can do in that one. But it's looking like Knox is going to be a full-time player in this offense. 11th in receptions at his position, 15th in yards, tied for first in touchdowns. But touchdowns, that can be the key to posting a top 10 fantasy season. We've seen so many guys do it before. Knox isn't going to challenge to be in the, the top three or among the elite. But if he keeps doing this, stays involved, doesn't have to put up touchdowns at this rate. But if he has a nice, maybe a double-digit touchdown season, we're going to be looking at him as a top 10 tight end at the end of the year. Dalton Schultz, 34% rostered. He's inching up into that range as well. At least 45 yards in three of the Cowboys' four games so far this year. He's got 12 catches, 138 yards, and three touchdowns. Just the last two games alone, 
So he's somebody that you could grab as a starter if you're searching. There's a lot of those tight end twos who could maybe be spot starters for you, but Knox and Schultz, they're the ones that are showing that they could do a little more at this point. I'd also consider Cameron Bright on the Bucks. I mean, Gronk's going to be out for a bit here. Bright saw six targets last night. Didn't do much with them, but touchdowns are going to come in that offense. So another name that you can consider there. And that's all for today's show. Make sure you check out that full waiver wire call on Monday night over at The Score. I'll be back Wednesday with our Week 5 preview episode. But until then, big thanks to all the NFL editors over at The Score doing a great job this year so far. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening, and we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight, I said leave on time.